Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Whoa, man. Get in there, boy. James Robinson, the running back, play fake. Trevor looking downfield, fires deep downfield. That ball's going to be caught. Marvin Jones, Jr., first down. Woo! Let's go! Running back James Robinson, mic'd up against the Houston Texans. You can check out that full episode on Jaguars.com. Welcome into Jaguars Drive Time on a Wednesday morning. Ashlyn, Brian, and John here with you as we get ready for the next game for the Jaguars this Sunday against the Colts on the road. And a lot to talk about as we get ready for that game. But I bring in Brian and John now. And it seems to be that maybe the the feeling of the loss has moved past. And Monday was, I don't want to say the sulking day, but you have to address that terrible game on Sunday. And here's the day. But yeah, we attempt to move on and take a step forward. I haven't seen anybody yet this morning, so I'm not sure if they have, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I will in the next hours. We're walking around the hallways, but um, I, I think that one's going to sting a little bit more. I think it's it's one that's going to hang with them a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the team and the coaches, especially the veterans, will move on because that's what the NFL is. Uh, I think, honestly, I think it will linger for fans and observers, uh, as I've written several times since that game. I believe that now, in order to get fans feeling like they felt in September, you've got to win a couple. Well, you're totally You've got to right. make them believe again. And I think you've got to win more than Sunday, but you got to start Sunday. I was filling up with gas the other day, and a guy, you know, he just, he said, the thing is, I was so ready to get on board with this. Mm-hmm. I was so ready to believe that's yeah, what exactly. it is. Yep. And that was what he, it wasn't that they, well, it was that they lost. It was how they lost. It was that he was expecting a good game from a team that he had seen play well the last couple of weeks, and they didn't, and he was let down. And that was the part that, that's the part that stinks as far as I'm concerned, is that we've been talking about a team that's ready to take that next step, maybe had taken that next step. It's tough to believe this morning. It's tough to believe that mm-hmm. they're there. Now, I, there is an element that that's what the NFL is. Sometimes even good teams do what they did Sunday. But since this team hasn't been good yeah, since there's, the 60s, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> well, I mean, from a fan's perspective, that's what totally it right. feels like. So the fact that, that ha- they don't get that benefit of the doubt for one bad game when you've had 150 bad games yeah. over the last there's decade. There's an aftertaste from the last couple of years. So now you've got to prove it double to a fan base that wants to believe. Mm-hmm. It's almost that feeling of, of too good to be true. And truthfully, that game against the Chargers when everyone's flying back home happy, there were fans that said, this is awesome, but is this for real? And I think Sunday might have proved, okay, maybe it wasn't for real, and maybe they're not consistent yet. And, yeah, that stinks. It's almost like a breakup. It's like you thought this was it, yeah. and this isn't it. 
And now we got to okay, move back. Slim? No, I'm really <laughs> thinking about it lately. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's, uh, we'll talk after the show. Okay, thanks for the advice, All right. fellas. All right, let's get into big things. Big thing one is give him time. The freak out is here. For quarterback Trevor Lawrence and all the fans' perspective saying he's not ready and he's not the franchise quarterback. Well, he played lights out week two and week three. Hasn't played good the last couple of weeks like most young quarterbacks. Coach Peterson said, take a breath. He'll get there. Look at Jalen Hurts. Great example last year. You know, he's got a new head coach. He's got a new coordinator. You know, um, yes, they made the postseason, and, and he probably went through some growing pains last year. Now, second season, the same head coach, same coordinator, play caller, the whole thing. Add some more pieces around it. Have consistency. Things thrive. You look at the Bengals, young quarterback. Things are, things thrive. You know, and you look in, you look at the Chargers. You can take a young quarterback, put the pieces around. There's consistency. Things thrive. So, it, it's a model, you know, for for success in this league. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just it's just where we are at the time. But but I know that with time, you know, we'll we'll be there. You know, with those teams. And I interrupted Schlin's uh, flow a little bit here, but I think it's important to note, Brian. That's not the first time he said this. No, uh, he knew this was coming. Uh, he knows young quarterbacks. He knew Trevor Lawrence. That's probably the third or fourth time publicly that he's hit that theme with Trevor. He brought it back out this time, but let's not, you know, I had fans saying, well, he's just saying that. <laughs> this is the process that he knew was coming. And so I believe that Doug Peterson knows where the growth will be. Yeah, so go back to the week after the commander's loss. And I started a question to him on Friday. I said, do we all have two great expectations? He started nodding before he even said, for Trevor Lawrence. He said, chill right? out. Yeah. He, he, no, he knew. He knew exactly where it was going. So, and he, and John, he and I have had that conversation. He knew coming into this year that he was going to have to tamp those down. Mm -hmm. that this was a kid that even though he had incredible upward potential, had so far to go based on what happened last year uh, and just the normal growth curve for quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And that brings us into big thing too, which is wait. Why? I don't want to wait. I want this team to win right now. We saw it weeks two and week three. Why can't they keep it up? Well, we just talked about that young quarterback and, and this young team, this young roster. This is going to be an up-and-down season, so buckle up. Do I think we can, you know, have an opportunity this year to take advantage of, of some situations and get better as a team? I do, and and the team believes that, you know, but, but there's a process here, and a lot of times people don't want to – nobody wants to wait anymore, you know. There's, mm -hmm. there's always – you know, it's now, you know, and I get that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a win now mentality. And, um, you know, it's, it's our job to, to try to speed that up the best we can, um, you know, through practice, through prep and, and just through teaching. And finally, big thing three is respond. Looking forward to Sunday's game against the Colts. This will be a big game as the Jaguars look to sweep the Colts for the first time since 2014. But all eyes will be on the Jaguars and if they can get back to a winning way after two very disappointing weeks. It's all about watching that film moving on and uh, um, and growing from that game because there's we, we left a lot of yards out there last game too. So uh, just doing our job and uh, not trying to do you know do too much. Just focus on what you can do and can control what you can control. And big thing one and big thing two are similar, and they're both about taking a breath, and they're both about patience. And, and no one wants to hear that. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to talk about it. But when you talk about this young quarterback, when you talk about this young team, yeah, this is going to take some time. There's going to be some ups and downs. They're going to go beat someone they're not supposed to beat. 
this year. They're going to lose to teams they're supposed to win this year. That just seems to be the theme of the season. When my mother used to get oh, mad boy. at me when I was a kid, which happens sometimes, Brian. I can't imagine. She would go on and on in our little maverick over on University Boulevard, and she, she would talk about, I've talked to you till I'm blue in the face about this. You know the old term, mm-hmm. blue in the face, I right? do. Yeah, I remember uh, that. <laughs> well, that's what we all talked about all off season until we were blue in the face that there were going to be ups. There were going to be downs. Uh, the other day was a big down, but there's going to be more of them. Doug said it in the big in the big thing uh, take two uh, that nobody wants to be patient anymore. He also, which I get, he also went on after that to talk about um, we're we're going to keep working, we're going to have moments, and I'm paraphrasing it not very well, but he was making the point that it doesn't mean you're giving up, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you don't think you can do things. But the bottom line is with this quarterback adapting to this offense, he has seen it. He saw it in Philly, 2016, eh, 2017, really, really good. He outlined it. That I think he believes that's how it's going to go, although he can't lay it out with an outline form every week publicly. No, like I, I don't doubt. I mean, I, having talked to him over the last couple of months since he arrived and, and, and seen the way that he's done things, I, I know he knows what he's doing. I've got that. I, we'll just go back to Sunday for the last time. There are moments where you and all the efforts of just the front office side, right? You know, selling tickets, getting people engaged again, where you feel like after how many times have I been to a Rotary Club where I've said it's coming, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then it crashes. And you, you keep thinking, you keep hoping that that Sunday was that statement. Here we are. We're climbing now over a team that wasn't as good as they are, right? They're well coached, but the rosters don't compare. And um, and that's the hard part is is that there's a lot of people, not just fans, but people on this side of the building who are pushing hard every week mm-hmm. to you know fill the stadium, to sell the advertisements, to make this whole thing work. And when it doesn't, that's where the empty feeling comes in. Even though I know, right, that that is part of what this is this year, it's still like you miss an opportunity to to pay off all the effort that a lot of people have brought into it. And I know the players don't think that way, and the coaches don't have time to think that way, but I do, and I know what was missed on Sunday. Yeah, and it's frustrating. It's the most frustrating. incredibly frustrating. frustrating. (laughs) Incredibly frustrating. We talk about it more, it's even more frustrating. (laughs) All right, and that is big things as we attempt to look forward to Sunday's game against the Colts. Alara Overton from Colts.com will be joining us up next on Jaguars Drive Time. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. For nine years, DreamFinders Homes have been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all available inventory. We are back, Jaguars drive time on a Wednesday, getting ready for a Sunday game against the Colts in Indianapolis. And for that, we bring in Lara Overton from Colts.com. Lara, thank you so much for waking up with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's always good to be with you guys. Yes, for sure. We talk a lot, and I have a feeling on Sunday this game is going to be dramatic. We all know what happened in Jacksonville just a couple weeks ago, and we all know the Jaguars have struggled since then, and and the Jaguars players are already talking about when they go to Indy, 
they're going to get the Colts best. So what do you expect from Sunday? Well, both teams are coming off pretty ugly games, right? You had each team in uh, a bit of a defensive battle, so to speak. Neither really saw the type of offensive production last week in week five that they were aiming for. The Colts had that gritty victory on Thursday night football in Denver in which it was a field goal fest. Chase McLaughlin, who had just been signed to the Colts roster, active roster last week, he'd been on the practice squad and, you know, back and forth being elevated prior to that, but goes four for four. And you had to win that game on the foot of Chase McLaughlin and on another last minute stand by your defense. I mean, right now, Stefan Gilmore is looking like the Colts MVP at this point to come up with the game clinching plays that he has in both the Colts victories so far. And that's one of the things that is difficult about playing so many divisional games so early in the season, like you're seeing for the Colts and for the Jags. Looking at the Colts schedule, it's five out of the first seven against the division. You started the season with back-to-back division games on the road. That was an ugly game week two for the Indianapolis Colts down there in Jacksonville. And when I talked to Frank Reich this week, he said, I asked him, what do you see as being things you can draw from in that first meeting? But then also, how are each team, how is each team a little bit different than what you saw? And he said, both teams are better than they were in week two because you know with with both situations for the Jags, you have a new head coach, you have a lot of new pieces there. And for the Colts, an entirely new defense, a lot of new pieces with a new quarterback who's getting used to a new offensive line. You had new additions to the defense along with that new defensive scheme under Gus Bradley. So both teams were still trying to figure things out. And I think for the Colts, they're still trying to figure out a lot of things offensively at this point have yet to find the stride, the continuity, the production that you were hoping to see thus far when you have Jonathan Taylor and you have Matt Ryan and the pieces that they do surrounding them. So I think that each team is on a mission to establish themselves, establish themselves and find their identity. As we get into the second quarter of the season, the Colts were able to have a bit of that mini bye week coming off a win in Denver. So it does seem like that this is a team that is recharged and knows the opportunity that you have, not just this week being at home against Jacksonville, but also going on the road next week and facing Tennessee. You really have to own this quarter of this season if the Indianapolis Colts are going to find a way to be in the conversation to lead the division. Good morning, Lara. Why is the offensive line of Indianapolis, which had been among the league's best for the last five or six seasons, why has it not played up to its standard this year? I think if I had that answer, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair. I'd be sitting in a, in a chair maybe over <laughs> on the other side of the building, maybe getting a bigger paycheck if I could figure out uh, exactly the offensive line right now. But the one thing is a lot of guys playing you know, in different positions than they have in the past, where you have Matt Pryor, who shifted over to left tackle. He's more of a natural right tackle, shifted over to be the starting left tackle this season. That was, you know, a new uh, position for him in terms of being the starter um, at left tackle because last season it was Eric Fisher. Then you have Danny Pinter, who had been your backup center last year, shifting over to play right guard alongside Braden Smith. You, of course, have your solidified pieces with Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Braden Smith. So you did have three of your five that are on, you know, the top paid offensive line in football. And Quentin, of course, you're all pro everything who had just signed that extension earlier this season. But one of the things, it's just a lot of shifting and a lot of rotation that you had those new pieces and new guys who were stepping in. The other thing is at, at Denver, excuse me, on Thursday night, 
you had just two walkthroughs and they decided to mix things up and shift guys around and move guys into different positions uh, to try to see if there would be a different offensive line combination that would provide more protection for Matt Ryan. So I think the biggest component there is you have guys who were thrust into new situations, into new positions, starting on the offensive line than you have had in the past. And you were counting on guys to elevate themselves. And you always think that when you are playing alongside guys like, you know, all pro, pro bowler Quentin Nelson, pro bowler Ryan Kelly, and then Braden Smith as well, who is one of the more underappreciated guys for all that he's able to do to this offensive line. It's going to make those new guys who are stepping in better, and they're going to be tasked to elevate their game, but they just have not yet found. They've not yet been on the same page. And one of the things this offensive line keeps saying is we just have to play more physical up front. And they have faced some really tough defenses. That has been a factor, certainly. I mean, that was one thing that we saw in Jacksonville with the defensive front that you guys have it's they have had some tall tasks to begin this season so they are going to need to find that and find that with a new quarterback uh sooner rather than later this is with apologies to uh quentin nelson but <laughs> i think you can make the argument that jonathan taylor and uh shaq leonard are the colts two best players uh, um and they've been out They've also made runs at the end of the season a lot in recent years. Is there a feeling that if they can just get those two back and healthy, that there's a late season run in this team, Lara? I think that you could certainly make that point. One of the things is for Jonathan Taylor, he didn't miss time until that Thursday game in Jacksonville. You still had him. He had, uh, you know, he did have a great game uh, week one. They were able to get the ground game going against Houston but they had not been able to get Jonathan at that type of production that you would anticipate from last year's league leading rusher. And for Shaq, this was something that you expected. He was coming off a of back surgery. He had a lot of recovery, not just from the back and the ankle, but also the nerves that were in there that they had to treat and they had to uh, address when he had that injury. And then he's going to miss more time because you saw the collision that he had with Zaire Franklin at the goal line. It uh, dented his face mask, broke his nose. He's in concussion protocol. So now that's going to be more time. So the Colts have to figure it out without Shaquille Leonard. And you have other weapons. We heard a lot of conversation about how they would utilize Naheem Hines differently. Look at what you've gotten from your tight ends thus far. The rookie Jelani Woods and Mo Ali Cox have both stepped up big for you as well. One of the tasks that you were going to have to address as an offense, you knew how teams were going to scheme for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. It's obvious what you're going to try to do with Jonathan Taylor. You've got to find ways to win and utilize the other pieces that you have, the other guys you have surrounding you. So I do think that, and you saw it in Denver, they did get good production from guys like Deion Jackson and Philip Lindsay. You hope that this is just a one game occurrence for Jonathan Taylor. It doesn't seem like it's anything that is going to linger for much longer. The Colts will have their first practice of the week this afternoon. So we hope to get a, some more clarity on Jonathan Taylor. But now you have a compounding concern because on Thursday night football, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Naeem Hines could barely get to his feet after taking a pretty violent hit, a pretty violent tackle down to the grass. So you might be without Naheem Hines. You have to prepare for that scenario. He seemed to be pretty good over the weekend. Uh, Frank Reich said that even on Thursday in the locker room at halftime, he said, hey, I want to go back in. You know, I I'm ready to go. I'm fine. 
uh, you know, I, I've had taken harder hits than that. And Coach Reich said that's when we have to protect players from themselves. We knew he was going to be out, so we had to just, you know, find ways to figure it out beyond that. And the longer-term health of Naeem Hines is a greater concern than his availability in that football game. So it sounds like that things are trending well for Naeem just based on conversations I was able to talk with him as well we'll see if he is out there today but there are of course all of those steps and they have refined a lot of that concussion protocol as you guys are well aware so we'll see what his outlook and his trajectory is for the remainder of the week but yeah you have to just find ways to do it we talk about all the time it's the old mantra you hear it next man up and the linebackers have played very well without Shaquille Leonard Zaire Franklin leads the league, is tied for the league lead in tackles to this point of this season. And you have Bobby O'Karake, who has stepped up and made a huge piece to this defense. So far, this Colts defense has yet to allow a point in the fourth quarter or in overtime. So despite Shaq Leonard, you found ways to win. Now it's time for the offense. You know, despite the production that you may or may not get from Jonathan Taylor, you've got to find ways to win another with other weapons. A lot going on, but we know Sunday will be interesting nonetheless. Lara, thank you so much for joining us on Jags Drive Time. We will see you in Indy on Sunday. Hey, look forward to having you guys here making the trek up north. Absolutely. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, some this or that on the Jaguars Digital Network. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback, coupons, all in one. It's free. Try Price.com today. This or that. This or that. We are back, Jaguars Drive Time, on a Wednesday, which means it's time for this or that. Looking forward to Sunday's game against the Colts. Brian, what do you got for us? Well, this is this boils down to old school versus new school, right? I mean, in this very room, I used to hear Tom Coughlin talk about mix and balance, and he was talking about run versus pass ratio. I mean, he was, and look, what he won with it, right? Two Super Bowls, uh, was a part of a lot of winning football um, but that was then, and this is now. And so you've got Doug, who doesn't care at all about mix. I mean, he knows he needs to run to some degree to be able to set up play action and do things that he wants to do. Doug didn't care about balance. He didn't care about mix. So there's been a lot of hullabaloo this week about, you know, why not more run? Why not more run? And I, I thought we had explained this. <laughs> Doug doesn't care about that. It's old school versus new school. What you want? What, what do you want? Would you rather have balance, John? Well, no, I don't care because, (laughs) I mean, it depends on what you believe offensively. Uh, If if you're an offense that runs the way Tom ran his offense, then balance is very important. But if you watch the Chiefs, if if you watch teams, which uh, Doug Peterson's offense is Andy Reid-based, it's his own offense, but there's a lot of similarities, they don't care about it. Uh, The numbers don't necessarily add up because – you're supposed to, in this offense, catch short passes and turn them into four or five yard runs to get yourself into second and five, third and two. Uh, some of those little drops that people don't notice, that's part of, in Doug's offense, what people think of as the run game. So I don't think it's, it's nearly as important as people think. Um, and it's not going to happen. It's not how he's going to run the offense. And look, they're 13th in the NFL in total yards. They had 422 yards uh, of offense the other day. If you average 422 yards of offense, you're in the top five in the league. Um, They have to execute in the red zone. 
Mm-hmm. Now, maybe in the red zone on second and one, should you have run there? Uh, maybe. But it, I think if you're Doug, you're, you're not going to hang Trevor out uh, publicly. But if you're Doug, you're, you're saying on second and one from the seven, we called a rollout. If he runs out of bounds, we have a first down, we have a new set of downs. It was not a bad call. No. no. So I, I guess fans can want the run, but they're not going to get it in the way that they're used to getting it because that's not what this offense is. Well, Slam- and when Jack Del Rio was here, sorry to interrupt you, Slim. You're okay. There, were, there was so much conversation <laughs> about three yards and a cloud of dust. And, you know, it was good for a while when you had Maurice and Fred both running in their prime. But people wanted to see this passing offense. Finally, you have a quarterback, and he's he's paired with a coach that has this modern approach to it. That that's the mind shift has to change because they're not going back. Right. The other uh, people people look at the stats and say, "Well, they're running so effectively. Why don't they do it more?" If you ran more in this scheme, the numbers wouldn't, and you kept turning around and grinding when the other team knows it's coming, it's not going to be as effective. Doug's all about. Run in situations where you can be effective running. Do not run into brick walls where you're not going to be effective. It's not going to change. This is what the offense is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully they get 13th better at in the NFL. Right. They were like 30th last year with, uh, yeah, the and they NFL didn't it's... score the other day. But I, did, I don't get the impression that the scoring, except for that one play, the run pass balance wasn't affecting the scoring. It's, it, it's not well, I the think same people saw those long runs thing. from ETN and said, just keep giving him the ball. Sure. He's the hot hand. But the, he that, was the hot hand because they ran in situations where that made sense. Exactly. Right. And I get why fans are saying, well, why are you doing something that isn't working and this is working, so let's do this that is working. But if this is the offense, and Coach Peterson is saying, especially with Trevor, to have that consistency of learning this offensive scheme, does no good changing it now. No. This is it. you got to learn it this way. Well, yeah. And well, it might take some scheme. time. They're building it around his skill set. They'll get better at it. That's why – he keeps saying, he'll get better, they'll get better. Right. You get better when you just run the ball out of bounds for the first down, right. Trevor. Right? I mean, we could all see that. So now he's got to take that and go. Right. Doug keeps saying in the press conferences when he's asked about this, the plays are there. Uh, that means that the plays are there and they're not being executed. That's it. At some point, they have to execute them. Yep. And there's no other way for him to say that. There's no other way to make that right. nicer and say, well, we're doing it right. right. They aren't doing it right. You can't say that. No. Well, I just said it. But you and can't he's not say, say I mean, yeah. Sure. <laughs> John, what do you got? Uh, I have Christian Kirk or Zay Jones <laughs> is the topic. What's more important, a big game for Christian Kirk, a big game for Zay Jones? Well, it's all important. you got to get the passing game going. They only had uh, – Zay had a bunch of targets – I think they had like 24 yards receiving together. That's got to get better. I think it's more important right now for this offense to get Christian Kirk going again. Uh, it's hard to figure out why that didn't happen the other day. Sometimes blips happen like that for receivers. He had one catch for 11 yards, I think it was, and uh, three targets. I I expect that to be dramatically different on Sunday. I think they will make an effort to get Christian Kirk the ball uh, as this – I don't want to say as Christian Kirk goes, the offense goes, but he sure helps Trevor, and as mm-hmm. Trevor goes, the offense goes. So I'll say Zay Jones because it's clear the last two weeks that the Eagles and, and the Texans were taking Christian Kirk away, right? Uh, Doug said there were some plays for him, and maybe Trevor missed those. Or, um, but I think it's important to get Zay Jones going because I go back to training camp, and they were all excited. 
Trevor in particular, was really excited about all the different things that Zay could do. Mm -hmm. There's got to be somebody on the other side of Christian Kirk. There's got to be a go-to option, somebody that will allow Kirk to get free. So I think it's important that they get Zay Jones going so that they don't have to force the ball into Christian Kirk. Remember, he tried to force it on that interception in the third quarter in Philadelphia. And if he dumps it out to Agnew, they probably score a touchdown and take the lead. And there were opportunities, talked about forcing the ball down the field in his post-game news conference on Sunday. He's trying to force things. Mm -hmm. They're trying to force it to Christian Kirk. Take a deep breath. Get Jones to catch it because he didn't the other day. And then the Kirk opportunities will come. Yeah, it's almost like the security blanket. While at times we talk about it as a good thing, can be a bad thing when you go to it too much. And we say that, okay, Trevor goes, Christian goes. I think if Zay goes, Christian goes. Zay has to be on the field. Yep to get the pressure off of Christian Kirk because it's clear the recipe now is, oh, they're throwing a Kirk, let's cover him. We saw sure. that in Los Angeles especially. All right, my this or that is sweep or make it five in a row. We're talking about Sunday's game. This would be the, the Jaguars win. This would be the first time they sweep the Colts since 2014. 17. 17. Now the Jaguars have lost the past four games to the Colts. So are they going to sweep or are they going to make it five losses in a row? We're just basically predicting Sunday's game. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about it, but we're just calling That's it as harsh. it is. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? Well, I, I, I'm i going to go with the Jags winning in Indy. Here's why. Because I think they're a better team, right? That doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to execute better, but I think that their roster is better. I think that the defensive line, if they're healthy with Foye Luakon, uh, and I'm sorry, with Foley Fatukasi, mm-hmm. I think that they've got an advantage there. Uh, the Colts are beat up. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to say that they they find a way to pull it all back together after two bad games. I don't trust him right now based on last week. I don't want to do that, but I'm trying to be consistent. I don't like the Colts. I don't think they're that good right now. I think they're beat up, and I think that this team has a better roster. So I'll go with the Jaguars in a field goal, 27-24. It's <laughs> a close one. All right. Last play of the game, field goal. Wow. What do I want to happen or what I think will happen? What do you um, think no, will it, happen? It's uh, – I think the Colts are going to win uh, because I think they seem to this year have had a knack for winning ugly, grinded-out games when they win. They beat the Chiefs that way. Mm -hmm. They beat the Broncos that way. They seem to be a team that's sort of hanging on and doing things that way. That's what – well, I should say that's what I worry about with this game. Yeah. Um, The Jaguars are so unpredictable right now. I hate the phrase, you don't know which team is going to show up. But no, that's sort you of don't. what it that's feels true. like. Uh, so uh, I'm going to flip a coin and go Colts because at home, because it's so tough to beat a team a second time in the division and all those factors. But mm-hmm. I don't feel great about the pick. No, and, and you say you don't know what team's going to show up. That's the Jaguars right yeah. now. Are they the Jaguars in Los Angeles or the Jaguars last week? What team's going to show up? Because Look, that's two totally different teams. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, the flip side of the cut is that they're a team that finds a way to hang on and win, yes. But if Russell Wilson just throws it to K.J. Hamler instead of trying to force the ball in, I mean, he was wide open, they win. And, and the Chiefs gave them that game with the mistakes and the penalties. and the, I mean, the, blah. Right, um, so I just I just giving away a couple games. To, I no, mean, no. Well, but I, that's how it works. The Colts right. are no. I totally get that, but I just don't think that oh, we have seen good Colts teams. Mm-hmm. Right, we we have mm-hmm. seen good Colt teams that have run over this team and then taken the lead and then let it go. Right, and just held on for a win. I just don't think it's the same thing. I guess my worry is right now the Jaguars look like a team that is doing a good job of keeping other teams in the game. What? 
Yes. So that's where the Colts have thrived this year. So. 100%. So that, that makes sense. I just, we'll see. I know. Flip a coin. Yeah. I think this, we'll just go with we'll see, and we'll just see what happens. And we're well, that's what happens when you lose a game like you do at home. No one's quite sure. I know. We're a lot, a lot what of are questions. They? Yeah. Right? Are I they don't the know. same old Jaguars? We don't think so, but they have to go prove it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that is This or That presented by Price.com. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, some closing thoughts. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good, think better. One more segment to go here on Jaguars Drive Time on a Wednesday. A busy week as we get back on the practice field today, back in the locker room, seeing if the guys, I'm sure, will say, next one, we're moving on, we're looking at the Colts. Brian, what do you have going on this week? Uh, I am going to visit with Richard Angulo, the tight ends coach, who, interesting enough, was a player on this team. Uh, 10 years ago. He's part of that great 07 team. Huh. Uh, he and Tony Gilbert, the middle linebackers coach, were teammates, and now they're coaching together. So I'm going to go visit with Richard Angulo a little bit today. Love it. John, what about you? I will. At 4 o'clock today, I'll be on the Huddle Up podcast with uh, Bucky Brooks. That's Bucky Brooks. The of Bucky NFL Brooks. Network. Of, of the Bucky Brooks uh, Jaguars Network um, <laughs> on the Bucky Brooks show. Uh, Brought to you by Bucky Brooks. Yeah, and, and – uh, I am not sure the Ozone podcast guest this week. We're still working on that. So, but I I I predict we will ha- uh, we will have a guest, and it will not be Bucky Brooks. <laughs> no, we're, we're over him. All right. <laughs> off the field this week is Travis Etienne, who's coming off a great game. If you're going to look at a positive from Sunday, it is Travis Etienne. So he will be off the field, and we'll be back on Jaguars Drive Time tomorrow morning, 9:30. We will see you here. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.